0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, medical practitioners say that vision loss is one of the top 10 physical ailments that adults have to deal with in today's world. In fact, globally they say that it's an estimated 2.2 billion people suffer with some sort of vision impairment. Of that, 293 million people suffer with severe vision loss, and of that they say that 43 million people around the world are fully blind. Experts say that by 2050, this number could actually double, and the reason why it could double is they bring it down to three factors. The first is our diet, what we consume. The second reason is the stress levels of society today. And the third reason is the daily pressures that people are facing. You know, church, in this regard, there's a great parallel between the physical and the spiritual. I believe there are many people who are sitting here today who are facing a loss of vision for their lives. I believe there are many people who are sitting here this morning midway through 2022 and your vision is blurry because of the diet you've been consuming, social media, the news, the radio, the stuff that's going in our minds and our hearts, the the stresses that we've been under as a nation and the daily pressures of life. If it's not finances, it's family. If it's not family, it's friends. If it's not friends, it's colleagues. Because of all these things, we're facing a loss of vision for our future. I believe there are many people sitting here today who can only see today, but you can't see tomorrow. I think there were many of us who uh, uh, at midnight on the 31st of December 2021, we declared that 2022 would be the year. This would be the year. We had great dreams. We had great ambition. We had great thoughts and ideas, but midway through the year become a little bit blurry we came to vision Sunday in January excited and prepared and we heard Pastor Andre declare the vision for church of rebuilding and we said that'll be our vision as well but as the year has gone on so our vision has become more blurry as life has become harder as petrol has become more expensive as load shedding has increased from stage one to three to five to seven hopefully not stage eight and they're even talking about stage nine now you know what stage nine is, hey? It's where they stop you drinking Powerade. It's terrible. But seriously, life has become so difficult and so challenging, we just can't see tomorrow, and we're stuck in today. And we just go from today to today to today to today, and months go by and years go by, and we just can't see the vision because how do I get out of this? You know, Elijah was a man like that. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, we read of his story And just a chapter earlier, this great prophet of God had called down fire from heaven, had mocked and insulted the prophets of Baal, had made them look like fools, and declared and showed that our God is the one true God. God was using this man in a mighty way. And yet a chapter later, when Jezebel finds out and she wants to kill him, he loses vision. He gets so afraid in the moment that he just gets stuck. In today and he can't see beyond it in fact we pick up in 1 Kings 19 verse 3 and the Bible says Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life and when he came to Beersheba in Judah he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die how many of you know you get to that point when you can't see beyond today When you can't see vision for your future, you get to that point where it's just, I've had enough, as he says right now, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. You see, church, that's the goal of the enemy, The goal of the enemy is to cause you to forget what God has done in your life. Forget all the miracles, forget all the breakthroughs, forget all the answered prayer. Just get stuck in today because if the devil can rob you of your vision, he can rob you of your life. The enemy doesn't need to get your money. He doesn't need to get your possessions. He doesn't need to get your car. He doesn't need to get your job. If he can get your vision, he can get all of that included. And so the enemy wants to rob you of tomorrow by getting you fixated on today, but I believe today God wants to do what the angel of the Lord did there. The Bible says the angel of the Lord touched Elijah, and Elijah looked around. And I believe today that God wants to touch some people's lives to cause you to look around and realize he is not done, God is still good, and the year is not over. So this morning I want to speak to you on the subject of Restoring our vision for tomorrow when we can't see beyond today. Restoring our vision for tomorrow when we can't see beyond today. Andrew Carnegie says that the world of great opportunity is available now, as it has always been, but only for those with great vision. There's great opportunity, there's doors that God wants to open, there is breakthrough that you and I can take, there are promises from God, and it's available, but we need to have the vision to believe for it. And if your vision is blurry today, maybe your vision is totally gone. You're saying, I can't even see tomorrow, let alone having a blurry vision, I'm believing for God to touch you today, to renew your vision so that you can move forward and take hold of the promises that God has for you. Now, What I've done today is I've divided the message into three segments. The first part is a few ways on why we need to renew our vision. The second part is some truths about vision. And the third part is practical ways to actually restore vision. So that we can go out and go, I know why I need to do this, I understand vision, and I know exactly the tools that I need to go and apply it in my life. So 10 reasons, if you're taking notes, 10 reasons why it's important to renew and restore our vision. Number one is this, vision generates hope in the midst of despair. It's vision that gets us through COVID. It's vision that gets us through the place that we're in as a nation. Vision builds hope in the midst of despair. Number two, vision makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. Vision makes that which I don't see physically possible and that which I have not seen and is unknown, possible, probable. Vision makes this happen. Number three, vision sets you free from limitations. How many of you know when you don't have vision, everything is a limitation? I can't get because of that. I'll never get because of that. There's no way because of that. But when you are a visionary, limitations are just stepping stones to get the next opportunity that God has. Vision removes limitations. Number, whatever number you want it to be. The next one. Vision stirs passion. Vision stirs passion. If you're new here today, And you're looking around and going, wow, this church, the people jump and sing and clap and the hands are lifted and this is quite a passionate church because this is a vision church led by visionary leaders who stand and go, we're not just happy with a holy huddle of people right now and this is how it's going to be. There are more people to be reached, there are more meals to be fed through the foundation, there are more campuses to open, there are more leaders to raise. Vision generates passion. If you want to get passion in your life, get vision for your life. The next point, vision attracts opportunities. Vision attracts opportunities. Can I encourage you with this, church? If you are not someone with vision, don't expect other people to buy into you, believe in you, and sow in you. Come on. If we don't have vision, well, maybe, I don't know, it's just, oh, life is. Don't expect other people to believe in you, sow into you, trust you, No, no, but when we have vision, man, we can sell our dream. We can sell our ideas. People will sow. People will buy into you. People will believe in you and attract opportunity because that's what vision does. The next point, vision keeps us disciplined. We have a wonderful gentleman on staff. His name is Stephen Gaines is his nickname. He runs our coffee shop. I'm sure you've seen him. He's quite a strong-looking man. I follow him on Instagram and I get discouraged encouraged at the same time, because that brother wakes up at 3 to 3.30 in the morning, and he runs, and he's in the gym, and I wake up at like 6, 6.30, and then I see that three hours ago posted, and I'm like, oh man, there's no, there's no, way. You, no way, not even in the middle of summer in Durban when the sun comes up at 1 a.m. will I be, there's no way, but when I look at that man, he is disciplined. Because I know Gaines probably doesn't want to wake up every winter's morning when it's freezing cold, but he is disciplined because he has vision for where he wants to be. Vision keeps us disciplined. The next point, vision gives us direction. Without vision, you will be anyone for everyone and you will say yes to everyone and become any person, but vision gives you direction. The next one, vision builds God's church. How many of you know we can't just have pioneering leaders who are visionaries, but a church without vision? We need to be a people with vision for our church, because vision builds God's church. Vision has got us here by God's grace and will take us forward. The next one, vision unlocks potential. I fundamentally believe that there are many people here who have a whole lot more potential than you believe you have, but vision is the key that unlocks the potential potential remains potential until you unlock it and for some of you there's so many things that God has put in you and that you're able to do but you have no vision to believe for your life vision takes the door and unlocks the potential that God has given to you and the final one vision brings glory to God if you take all the other nine points out there is one thing that stands vision brings glory to God because God is a visionary God, who, God is the one who painted the beginning to the end. God is a, is a visionary person. God painted or created within us the desire to have vision and to move forward. And whenever we are people with vision, we bring glory to God because we imitate who He is. In John chapter 5, we read a story that many of you might know quite well. But it's a great story. It's an important story for the subject that we're speaking on today. And in John 5, verse 1 to 7, we read the following. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem to one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, been paralyzed. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Some truths about vision this morning. Truth number one, a person without vision will become a slave to their condition. A person without vision will become a slave to their condition. A person without vision will become a slave to their circumstances. A person without vision will become a slave to their reality. A person without vision will become a slave to what's going on in the nation and the troubles and the economy. A person without vision will always become a slave to the condition that they find themselves in. You see, this man had been there for 38 years. For 38 years, he had been in that place. For 38 years, other people had got there before him. For 38 years, he'd been in that condition. He had become a slave to his condition. And people who are a slave to their condition are always finding someone else to blame. It's always my parents' fault. It's always my boss's fault. It's always my colleague's fault. It's my employee's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault. When you don't have vision, you're always looking for other people to be the scapegoat. What did this man say? He said, there is no one to help me when I want to get in the pool. But you know what's interesting about the story? Verse 3. Crowds of sick people. Sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay at the porch. Verse 7, I, in response to Jesus' question, I can't get well because I have no one to help me. Other people always get in before me. Sorry, let's go back to verse 3. Crowds of other people who are sick, lame, paralyzed, I can't get well because others always get in before me. You see, what I'm hearing you say, Mr. Gentleman, from John chapter 5 is this. Other people who are in the same condition, facing the same circumstances, in the same time of history. Other people who are going through the same things you are. They got in the pool, but you can't because the other people are the issue. What I'm hearing is that other people who are in the same place have walked away well. But 38 years later, you're still there. I must submit to you, gentlemen, from John chapter 5, that maybe your condition is not the reason you're still there. Maybe your lack of vision is the reason you're still there. Because other people got well, but you're still there. You know what? I'll give you a year. I'll give you two years. I'll give you five years. In fact, you know what? I'll give you a decade. But 38 years? At some point, he lost the vision for being well. At some point, he gave up his vision, and he just started blaming everyone else. But other people who still had the vision had walked out of their healed. You see, church, as long as we don't have vision, we will always be slaves to the condition We'll always be slaves to the economy. We'll always be slaves to our bosses. We'll always be slaves to the environment. But as long as we take hold of vision and go, you know what, God's got a plan for me. God is on my side. You know, despite what goes on around me, I can believe for more. I can have victory, like Cam said. I can trust for the promises of God. You know what, I'm not going to allow what's going on around me. I'm not, I know it's difficult. It's load shedding. It's, it's, it's the struggle. It's crime on the increase. It's, there's so many challenges, but I can't let that rule me because if it rules me, I'm always going to be in the place that I am. And 20 years later, I'm still going to be blaming ESCOM, and I'm still going to be blaming that I, I don't want to be that person. I believe that God can lift me up, despite the condition that I find myself in. Truth number two, you being helped today? This is important. God doesn't attach vision to provision. Rather, he attracts provision to vision. God doesn't attach vision to provision. Rather, he attracts provision to vision. Said in another way, God doesn't attract vision to pre-existing resources that are in place. God always attracts resources to people who are running with a vision from God, whether they have the resources or not they're believing him for what he will provide. You see God never attracts vision to provision and I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I like to have my ducks in a row first. I like to have everything planned out. I like, I know it's going to be like that. And when I have the money for that, and when I have the resources for that, and when it's time like that, and when everything is right, then God, give me that vision to run. Then I'll make it happen. But how many of you know it doesn't work that way? God doesn't go, when all your ducks are in a row, then I'll give you vision. God goes, I'll give you vision, and then you need to trust. And then you, need to prov- then you need to believe that God is provider. It's interesting in this story that, that Jesus asks the question, do you want to get well? Now, most of us reading that for the first time would be like, duh, that's obvious. I mean who would not want to get well in the condition that they were in over there. He's obviously, but Jesus obviously knows better, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? And the man says, I can't, I have no body. Isn't it interesting that Jesus asks a vision question, and the man responds with a provision answer? He says, do you want to? And the man says, I can't. I have no resources, I have no means, I don't, I don't have the ability to get well. I can imagine Jesus, which is not in scripture, but I can imagine him having this conversation with this man saying, friend, the question was not can you, the question was do you want to? I didn't ask you if you have the means to get well. I didn't ask you if you had medical aid to cover you to get well. I didn't ask you if you had a good doctor to go to to get well. I didn't ask you if you have great friends to support you in getting well. I didn't ask you if you have the money to get well. I asked you, do you want to get well? And the man responds with, I can't. I think there are many people here God is asking you a vision question and you are responding with a pro-vision answer. And God's saying, I didn't ask if you can start that business. I asked if you wanted to start the business. I didn't ask if you can afford that degree. I asked if you wanted to get that degree. Come on, I didn't ask if you can break that addiction. I asked if you wanted to break the addiction. And the reason why God asks a vision question and not a provision question because he is the provider. So he doesn't need an answer to a provision question. He wants to know, can you run with the vision? He doesn't ask a provision question because he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provision, so he doesn't ask you whether you can because he can. He just wants to know, will you run with the vision? I guarantee you that Almost 30 years ago when Pastor Andre and Volmer came to this church, I can guarantee you the question from God was not can you make this church, can you build this church, can you grow this church. I guarantee you that in the hearts of our senior pastors, the question would have been, do you want to build my church? They didn't have the provision that we have now to make this happen. They just took a hold of the vision from God they rallied it, they rallied around it, they presented it to church, and they went full tilt with it. And people like you and I rallied behind over the years, we caught the vision, and God slowly added the provision, but the provision was not there to begin with, but the vision was there. Today I want to stir you, run with a God-given vision, and trust for God to add along the way. He's not asking, can you? He's asking, do you want to? Number three, challenges will test the strength of our vision. Challenges will always test the strength of our vision. You know, many people here, if not all of us at some point, maybe it was through school or, 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 or university or even now, many of us have done what is called a vision screening or a vision test, am I right? Right. And some of you will know what I'm talking about when you see what's called a Snellen chart. This is the Snellen chart behind me. And uh, as we get older, so those letters at the bottom become smaller. I know recently I went and I was like, "I, I think I need glasses at the moment. But what does that Snellen chart ultimately do? It tests the strength of your vision and how far you can see. You see. Challenges will always test the strength of your vision to determine how far you can actually see. For this man, day in and day out, his vision would have been tested. I can imagine that early on in his life, he did have vision to get well. He did have vision to get healed. But then someone got in ahead of me and slowly it became blurry. And then someone else, and slowly it became blurry. And then more, and months went by, and years went by, and slowly that vision became blurrier and blurrier until the point that he was blind to the vision, and he could no longer see. The challenges had so absorbed his life that they proved eventually that his vision was quite weak. It might have started strong, but eventually, after life just became harder, it became weak. Church, every challenge that presents itself in our lives is always a test of how strong our vision really is and how far you can see ahead. How far ahead can I see for my marriage? How far ahead can I see for our church? Come on, I'm I'm speaking here from a campus that runs in Sturkinekor. We don't have fancy coffee shops like you people here in Santon. Let me... We got three coffee shops there, Mug and Bean, Starbucks, and the other one that I don't go to. But seriously... Every Sunday, we're in Stirkinickle. We set up. We're there from 5:45 in the morning. A wonderful team that sets up. A wonderful team that breaks down. Over 120 volunteers who build into that campus week in and week out, because they have vision to go. you know, not. It's challenging, and we don't have the right facilities right now. But we know where we're going. We know where we're headed. We know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to build, and people rally behind that. Challenges will always come to test. Can you see further, or can you just see for today? Number four, as the time goes, the longer you allow difficulty to defeat you, the worse your vision becomes. The longer you allow difficulty to defeat you, the worse your vision becomes. You know, I love watching children speak about what they want to be when they grow up, especially when they're younger. Because if you... If you chat to a child, they have no, they have no idea or awareness of, of boundaries or what you can and can't do. You say to a five, six, seven year old, What do you want to be? They can be Superman. They can be Captain Marvel. They can be the greatest per- dancer in the whole world. There's no boundaries for a kid, there, there's no limitations to a kid. They can be anything and they can do anything. But sadly, life hits and difficulty hits. And every challenge and every difficulty that comes their way presents a little another border and another boundary. And as people get older, so those dreams of young just become ideas and fantasies. And now they're just stuck in life in the same place. Because every difficulty that came their way, as human beings, we let it defeat us. Then it defeats us. Then it defeats us. And then we get stuck in a box that we just can't see any way out. Can I encourage you today? Don't let difficulty defeat you. Because every time you let some difficulty defeat you, your vision becomes a little bit more blurry. Excuse me, and a little bit more blurry, and a little bit more blurry until eventually you reach a point where you are so stuck in the day that you just can never see tomorrow. And some of you, I believe, are in that place. You're so stuck in today because you've let so many difficulties and I am not downplaying the level of challenges some of you have faced. I'm not downplaying in any way But what I'm saying is if you just let every difficulty defeat you, you will land up like this man in a place where everyone else is getting it and everyone else is healed, but but you are still there 38 years later. And that's not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want you to stay camped in that place, watching other people get blessed while you just hear of the praise reports. God wants you to have a praise report and you to have a testimony. The longer you let difficulty defeat you, the worse your vision becomes. In the few moments that I have left this morning, and I pray that the Holy Spirit has stirred you today, I just want to share three very, very simple ways to restore our vision. These are the most simple ways. They're probably the most simple points of any sermon ever preached, but it's the basic points that we often need to reignite something in our hearts. And I'm drawing it back from our story of Elijah, Elijah, as we go back, was camped under the broom tree because he couldn't see beyond today. He was scared, he was afraid, he was worried, and he just lay down and said, God, just take me now because I'm no better than my ancestors. The angel touched him and renewed his vision. And we pick up from verse 8 as follows. So he, Elijah, got up, he ate and he drank, and, and, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai the mountain of God, there he came to a cave. How many of you know a cave is where you don't see beyond? Pastor Andre spoke about that earlier on in vision, about where when you're stuck in a cave, you can't see beyond the day. You can only see for today. You can't see beyond the day into tomorrow. And where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? You know what's interesting about this mountain? It's the same mountain that the Israelites camped at where God said to them about going into the promised land, you have camped here for too long. It's the same mountain Elijah goes to to hide away because he has no vision. And God said to the Israelites, you've camped here too long. And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? The first tool to restore our vision is this. We need to understand what brought us to this cave. We need to understand what brought us to this cave? What brought you to the place where you have no vision? What brought you to this place today? What brought you to the cave where you can't see further for your marriage, where you can't see further for your business, where you can't see further for your life? What brought you here? And do you notice again, the question God asks Elijah is not a provision question. He doesn't, he doesn't ask, how are you going to get out of this? How are you going to get out of this place? What, do you, what, what resources do you have? you don't have the financial backing. You don't have the degree. You don't, how are you going to get out of here, Elijah? No, the question he asks is one of vision. What got you here? What took you to this place? Because he wants Elijah to start thinking, to realize, hey, what, what got me? What, what, what made me afraid? What made me scared? What, made, what, what did I allow to be my diet? Friend, what got you to your place where your vision is blurry? What did you allow to speak into your life? Who did you allow to speak into your life? How much news are you absorbing? Yes, we need to know things in life, but maybe it's so much that you're just being overwhelmed with negativity. Maybe it's too much social media and too much on the radio and listening to too many people who are are analyzing everything and you've just so absorbed that that you've got to the cave where you can't see. What got you to the place where you are? Because the first thing we have to assess God does with Elijah is what got you there? What gets you there? Because we have to put boundaries in place to get out of there. As we get to number two, 1 Kings 19 continues, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, if you're looking at uh, child's names, great ones here in the Old Testament. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abal, Mechola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I will reserve 7,000 in Israel, all, those, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Point number two, and I know Pastor Adi said this last week, but I chose not to take it out because it's so important. If you want to restore vision, we need to get closer to God. In fact, I think this is probably a point we could put in every message, every time, no matter what we're speaking about. We have to get closer to God. So, what does Elijah do? Uh, What does God do? He says, Elijah, how did you get here? What brought you to this place? And then Elijah responds. And, he, and God doesn't give him a sympathy parting, a shame, poor guy. No, he says, Elijah, come out to the front of my, the cave, because my presence is passing by. And when Elijah was in the presence of God, he heard the voice of God. And what did the voice of God do? Spoke vision. Church, I want to encourage you today. Vision doesn't come from a degree. It doesn't come from a title. It doesn't come from finances. It doesn't come from friends. Vision comes from the voice of God. And the voice of God comes from being in the presence of God. In fact, let me say this. If you want to hear God, you've got to get near to God. If you want to hear God, you've got to get near to God. And many people, we say, God, you need to speak louder. And God says, no, you need to bridge the gap. You come closer. If you want to get vision for your life, if you want restored vision, renewed vision for your marriage, for your future, if you want refreshed vision in your life, get closer to God because the voice of God brings vision for our lives. Number three, the final one today, in 1 Kings 19, it says this, so Elijah went from there. Number three is this, we need to do something Very simple points, but so important. God, this is why I'm here. My my diet, the stresses, the pressures, I've lost vision, God. I don't know what to do. Okay, cool. You're in the presence of God. I'm worshiping God. I'm exalting God. I'm spending time with God. God breathes fresh vision into our life. Go forward. Do this. Do that. But now, the very next thing Elijah did was this. He went. I want to ask you today, when you went, out of here? What will you do? Will you just hold on to go, hey, great sermon, that helped me a little, but that's not, or will you go out and set foot in what God has called you to do? If you can do one thing differently for your vision today, I'd encourage you to do it. In fact, write this down. This is what I'd encourage each person to do. If you've got, you want to restore vision in your life, do this. Date it, detail it, deadline it, and devote it. I want to start a business. Well, some people we've heard for 50 years, they want to start a business. When's it going to happen? Ah, ah, it's not the right time. Well, listen, buddy, your time's almost coming up, so there needs to be a time. I'm going to travel one day. Yeah, but you've been saying that for 27 years you want to travel. Yeah, but conditions and an economy. No, 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 no. What you need to do is date it today. 24th of July, I'm writing down that I'm going to travel. Detail it. I am going to go to London. I'm going to spend a week there. I'm going to go and watch my favorite team, Newcastle United, watch a football game. Deadline it. By 2025, my dream will happen. And then the fourth most important one, devote it. God, I leave it at your feet as I worship, as I sow, as I serve, as I, God, here you go. I do what I need to do. And I believe that as we do that, as we lay it before the feet of God and we keep worshiping, honoring, and serving, that we will see our vision come to pass. I uh, today the pray that you've had your vision restored, that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and prompted you. It might be something huge. It might be something small. But I pray that the Holy Spirit has deposited something in your heart to go out and restore your vision. Because God's not through. God's not done. And there are still five and a half months left of 2022. So don't give up on God, because God hasn't given up on you. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.